360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. High high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone Territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Well, the election is over, the inauguration is over, the moving on has begun. This evening, we will dive into local and national politics. On tonight's show, we'll hear from Green Party activist and writer for the SF Bayview, Barry Hermanson. Later, we'll hear from the Black Agenda Report's poet-in-residence, the town crier, a.k.a. Raymond Nat Turner. And we'll kick off the show with a report on local politics out of the Far East. East Bay, that is, Antioch, California. I'm your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Independence for all the Munchkins and their descendants. If any, yes, let the joyous news be spread. The wicked old witch at last is dead. Yes, and again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. Well, like I said, it's official. We have a new president and a new vice president who happens to be a woman of color. Now, there are many opinions on what this means for us, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But to start us off tonight, I want to bring to you the special updated report on some big changes that have happened in East Contra Costa County in the city of Antioch concerning our city council and our newly elected city councilwoman, Tamisha Torres-Walker. This story originally aired on Flashpoints, and I jump in where Dennis last had me on. Check it out. I believe the last time I was on, we were outside the Antioch Police Department with the six young people on a hunger strike known as the six forced to strike. Well, that was pre-November elections, and a lot has happened out here in Antioch, and a lot is coming up. Like the greater USA, my little sleepy town here of Antioch also had its own uprisings in the wake of the George Floyd protest. And one of the people that rose up out of these protests was a woman named Tamisha Walker. Tamisha was present at many of the protests on the streets of Antioch and helped to organize as well as she is an organizer. At one of those protests on the steps of the police department, she said that she was considering a run at the city council. Well, Dennis, she did it and she won. 
And what has this meant for Antioch? Well, it's meant a lot. As a result of our local elections here in Antioch, we displaced a mayor that was a pro-police at any cost mayor, and we replaced him with Antioch City Council member Lamar Thorpe, who is now our second black man ever to be mayor of the city. Another one of our African-American councilwomen, Monica Wilson, was reelected and elevated to vice mayor or mayor pro tem, as they call them out here. Add in Tamisha Walker, and now our city council suddenly has a majority of people of color, and I say a mostly progressive council, and uh, we'll just have to see how they pan out um, if they turn up when it counts uh, on the progressive side. So um, to bring us back, just before our elections here in Antioch, the outgoing city council authorized the chief of police to accept a Department of Justice grant that would put six new resource officers in our local middle and high schools, and that is police in our schools. The city of Antioch and the school district would be set to foot the bill on the rest of the pay for the police. Well then, fast forward to after the election and a special meeting was called by our new city council who then rescinded that grant and chose to look into allocating those city funds to youth activities and after-school programs that are way understaffed and have a very long waiting list. And who was the deciding vote this time? Tamisha Walker, our new city councilwoman. But like we are seeing across the country, as we saw in the Capitol, when people of color rise to positions of power and decision-making, some people can't let go and accept it and will look for any reason to disqualify or discredit those newly elected leaders. And that could be what is happening to our newest city council member, Tamisha Walker. There is a possible recall attempt and a possible censure being called for. And how is this happening? This is a direct result of aggressive policing of children and people of color and poor people that Tamisha Walker has stood on a platform of exposing and defeating. So what's happened to kick all this off, you may ask? Well, what happened was a couple days after Christmas, Tamisha's kids were riding their dirt bikes and an ATV on the city streets and were confronted by police. Here is how Tamisha Walker described the encounter with her children and the police. They, they said they stopped them because they were riding unsafe without a helmet and against traffic. However, my son said they were not driving against traffic. They were crossing the street and the officer attempted an aggressive stop that made my oldest son feel like he was in fear for his physical safety. And my youngest son, they hopped out of the car with tasers drawn on him a 13-year-old child. And I think that it's unfortunate that that amount of aggression needs to happen to kids in this city, especially at the hands of people who are supposed to be here to protect and serve us. And that is just unacceptable, and we gotta change it. After that encounter between her children and the Antioch police, Tamisha posted to Facebook Live and let her raw emotions flow about what just happened to her children. In the now-deleted video, you could see the raw emotions on her face after just learning her children, the youngest of which is only 13, just had a close encounter with police officers and had weapons drawn. 
and she used some expletives in her verbal release against the police and the officers that drew their tasers on her child. Well, a certain group of Antioch residents, mostly supporters of uh, Back the Blue page, are calling for her censure and possible recall. So on New Year's Day, a protest in support of Tamisha took place at the Antioch Police Department. This is Tamisha Walker speaking to her supporters that morning at the Antioch Police Department. It was earlier this year in a Black Lives Matter event here in Antioch, right here in front of the police department, where I spoke about George Floyd and that when he yelled for his mother, it was a call to mothers around the world. That we have to step up, we have to stand up, and we have to do something about police misconduct and brutality in our communities and on young people with dark bodies. This is unacceptable. And I said it earlier this year, right on these steps, that I might run for office. And I did. And I did it with the support of Antioch residents who wanted to have somebody who have a voice, a credible voice, a connection to what's going on here in the community and in our streets in office. That's why they voted for me. I don't think people voted for me to be respectable in a moment when my children's lives are at risk. What I said is I'm not challenging that they were stopped. I'm challenging how they were stopped. When aggressive stops happen by police and young people with dark bodies, our kids die. Our kids get greatly injured and nobody seems to care. I put out that Facebook Live and that was my raw emotion. I can't take that back and I will not apologize for black rage because I'm tired of people policing black fear and black rage and black emotion. So I will not apologize for the language that I use. But what I did wanna make sure I did when I came out today was let the people who voted for me know that you did vote for the right choice for change especially here in this district. And I'm fired up and I'm ready to fight even more so than I was back then on these very steps when I said I will, maybe I might run for office. Cause I, I had to believe then that it was my duty to make sure that my son didn't get videotaped with a knee on his neck right. in this city right. yelling for his mama. That's right. And when I was home, and my oldest son pull up and all I hear him screaming is mama, 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 mama. That's scary as hell. Who gonna have the right language to respond politically correct to that but somebody without a heart? I didn't know what happened to my baby. And any, any parent out here know the tone of your child's voice. You know the difference between a mama I, I spread my knee call and a mama my life is potentially in danger call. Speak to me. So when my son rolled up and called on me, he didn't call on a council member who was supposed to show up respectable thinking about my political position. Right. He, he was yelling for his mama who was going to come out here and be ready to take my last breath to save his life. And that's how I showed up. 
So I'm sorry for everybody who don't feel comfortable when black mamas get mad. No apologies. And more black mamas need to start to get mad. More mother, all of us. This should not be acceptable to any of us. So that was City Councilwoman Tamisha Walker addressing her supporters outside the Antioch Police Department on New Year's Day concerning the interaction her children had with the Antioch Police. Also there in support of Councilwoman Walker were local clergy and ministers in her life. Here is a little bit of what Pastor Mike McBride had to say. I want to say a couple things, you know. Uh, it appears to me that there are more people upset about Tamisha's language than they are upset about the behavior of the police officer. And I want you to know that our priorities are deeply misplaced. If you are wanting to bash Tamika Walker for using curse words that you use every day, when your whack Raiders or 49ers or Warriors lose a game. You mean to tell me that a mother who is afraid for the life of her child in her moment of rage and passion should not be extended grace that the people who are calling for her censure are Trump supporters Blue Lives Matter enthusiasts and people who won't even put on a mask during a pandemic. Are you telling me that we have elected officials in this city who are bending to the will of anti-black individuals and you are considering censuring You are considering censuring a mother of black woman and a newly elected city councilwoman who is a product of the movement to end police violence against black people. I want to put some people on notice today. You want to censure a woman who has just won an election and she is a city councilwoman and her own children are not safe by the very people she is tasked to steward. Who is safe in Antioch? If the city councilwoman's children cannot participate in youth behavior that I hear in Antioch, many other young people ride their four by wheelers and and bikes up and down the street. So do you mean to tell me that we wanna set a standard that police officers can run children off the road because they're riding their bikes in the street? Is that the standard, Antioch? No. Is that the standard, Mr. Mayor? Is that the standard, Deputy Mayor? Is that the standard, uh, Mr. Chief? Is that the standard preacher that we want to run children off the road because they're riding dirt bikes in the street? That's not my standard. No, it's not. And that ought not be your standard. We ought to applaud this woman, this mother. We ought to applaud this mother. We ought to applaud this mother. 
We ought to back her. So while all this was happening, you may ask, where is the mayor? Well, the newly elected mayor, Mayor Thorpe, was out of town, but was kept abreast of the situation in town, including the protests that took place New Year's Day. When he returned home, he released a statement on Facebook about city plans, including his thoughts on Tamisha Walker. Here's what he had to say. I have been briefed by our chief of police. I did reach out to Councilwoman Torres Walker. Uh, I expressed my concern and I told her that I, in my role as the mayor, I will ensure that, uh, that in this investigation that's going to take place, that it is fair and, and of course impartial and that ensures that we get to the truth as to what has taken place. And that's my, that was my commitment to, to Councilwoman Torres Walker. All I can say is that uh, as a parent, I only live for my daughter and I only live for my son and I'm going to do everything I can to protect them. And so I can, I can only say that, uh, that everyone has their own style and, and there are going to be council members who go to protest. There's going to be council members who don't go to protest. There are going to be people who are more vocal than others. And that's the reality we live in. Uh, the voters vote for council members. And so it'll be up to, to the voters to decide who should represent them or not, and they've made their decision this last November, and so we'll continue to operate from that perspective. So you may ask, what's all this boiling down to? Our newly elected mayor and city council with now a majority people of color, a possible recall attempt by Antioch residents, and where are our local police reform and BLM activists? Will they organize to turn out to the next city council meeting, which was the first city council meeting to feature the newly elected city council members and new mayor. Although some came out to denounce city councilwoman Tamisha Walker, they were far outnumbered by her supporters. Here is what some of her supporters had to say. Our next speaker is Shagufa Khan. Good evening, Council. Shagufa Khan here. I just wanted to say how I am beyond disgusted with the comments made about councilwoman Walker. There are people in places like Antioch Herald in East County today calling her very derogatory names like a bitch, a dog, a hood rat, hoodlum, trash, ratchet, and so many other disgusting names. This is racism. This is hate against a black mother who is upset with how the police was treating her kids. If you do not think something is wrong with that, with how people are calling her names, you are the problem. A black mother calling for accountability with the police is a common event that happens every day in our society because black children are not treated the same as their white counterparts. Not to mention the police officer almost ran over Councilwoman Walker's 13-year-old son and slammed him against the ground, making verbal threats against him and took out a taser on him. If I was a mother, I would not be okay with that. For everyone who called or called Councilwoman Councilwoman Walker very unkind names, Yes. Okay. So my name is Moxie. I live on the Creek. Um, and I just wanted to also address uh, Miss Walker's children being stopped unsafely by the police. While I understand that what they were doing was illegal, um, it's certainly not reasonable cause to run them off the road. Of course, Black people are apprehensive and afraid of the police. Um, black children have watched people who look like them die on national news last year for sleeping, for spending $20 at a corner store, for holding a sandwich. 
why would why is this community acting like Councilmember Walker is the one in the wrong for being upset about this? Because I guarantee that every single council and community member taking part in this meeting would have reacted the exact same way if the police had attacked their child. And let's be clear, the overreaction here is not Councilmember Walker's, it is the police who felt the need to pull a taser on a 13-year-old who was afraid of them. Black Lives Matter, Black women deserve our support, Black leadership needs to be listened to, and Black anger is not only valid but justified because look at the system that we live under that punishes a 13-year-old for being afraid of a person with a gun working for us. Thank you, Moxie. After two and a half hours of public comments, the mayor made his closing remarks. Here is a portion of his statement. The insurrection of January 6th by so-called patriots is a disgrace to our fundamental values of our nation. So I'll say again, words matter. How we say them matter and who we say them to matter. I just wanna say to our fellow, my fellow elected officials here today, including our city clerk and our city treasurer, our roles are 24 seven, even though this is a part-time legislative body. We are the keepers of the public trust and it is our responsibility to ensure that collectively we hold ourselves accountable in maintaining and respecting the public's trust. We're here to represent the entire city of Antioch and all of its people, including those, including those who are unhoused. So what we say throughout our community, including social media, is a reflection of all of us, all seven of us. And what groups we participate on social media, where as an example, members have to remind themselves not to be racist, reflects on all of us. So equally important, how other public voices conduct themselves in the public arena is just as important. Nationally, we've witnessed the destruction that can occur when online platforms and bloggers help flame distrust of government, disinformation, and racist stereotypes. Locally, we have such bloggers who engage and also need to be held accountable for their deliberate efforts to undermine our local democratic institutions. We have to hold everybody accountable. Our city is a microcosm of our nation because of our diversity, our growing population, and because differences exist. So acknowledging, respecting different opinions, perspective, and idea, ideals, as well as bringing them to the, to the table is not dividing us, but instead uniting us as we heal our differences towards a stronger tomorrow. So I just wanna acknowledge some of the public comments tonight. Police reform has been an effort that we've been working on tirelessly for the last couple of months. The process that we're currently in where we are uh, participating in the bridge to gap conversations was something that the public and the council decided to go forward on. So those conversations are coming. Immediately following those conversations on February 23rd, a study session to discuss police reform will begin. On February 27th and 26th, 26th and 27th, there will be two strategic planning sessions for the council that the public can also participate in where they can weigh in on issues of police reform. The month of March will be dedicated to police reform in our city. Uh, and I look forward to engaging with my colleagues as well as the public on those important conversations as we look to, uh, to this very important issue that has been in the backdrop of our community. So with that, those are my mayor's comments. And that was Antioch Mayor Lamar Thorpe speaking at the first regular city council meeting of the new year, addressing police reform and Councilwoman Tamisha Torres Walker and her family's incident with Antioch police. 
And as you heard Mayor Thorpe mention, the bridge, the gap conversations have begun. And briefly, I will say as a participant in the first round of Bridge the Gap, I thought it was very inadequate and it left no room for victims and survivors of police violence to share their stories. But I do admire the effort and I look forward to see what happens in February and March. For Full Circle, this is Free Will and Franklin signing out. Peace. All right, welcome back everyone to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. I am Free Will and Franklin, and you just heard an update on local politics out here in Antioch, California, where I'm at right now, uh, Bay Miwok territory for y'all. Um, to keep up on what's happening with Councilwoman Torres Walker, follow her on Facebook at Tamisha Walker for District, the number one, Antioch City Council. Tamisha Walker for District 1, Antioch City Council. And, of course, I will post links on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. I will also include some links to the Bridging the Gap conversation and to some local activist sites, Defund, Antioch PD, and Justice Advocates and Resources. Now, to take a look at national politics, yesterday I had a conversation with SF Bayview writer Barry Hermanson. Welcome back to the show, Barry Hermanson. And Barry is a writer for the SF Bayview, a Green Party activist, and he's back to join us. Thanks for coming back. We haven't talked since, I think, September, so a lot has happened since we last talked, and I wanted just to bring you back so we can just get your take on things. Of course, I want to get your thoughts on the siege on the Capitol. What did you think of that when you saw that happening? As so many people in this country, just unbelief. Yeah, the rhetoric, I, I can get to high levels, but to actually try to do violence, uh, destruction, I really think a lot of this gets back to the lack of any kind of control on weapons in this country. You know, to have people walking around fully armed, I, it is extraordinarily disturbing to me uh, to actually even see our National Guard uh, with assault weapons. I, I remember after 9-11 and I had been out of the country and coming back into the country uh, from Ireland uh, through JFK uh, Airport in New York. And here was somebody in full military gear standing in the middle of the, the walkway. It, it, it was just an assault to my senses. And now, unfortunately, this is becoming more common in this country. And it, I, you know, I'm, I'm really afraid for the, the path that this is taking us on. All right. Um, we're going to talk about that path shortly, but let's, let me get your take real quick on the people that fired up the crowd, Giuliani, the Trump family, uh, Trump himself. What do you think should uh, be happening to these fellows, these people? <laughs> well, to fire up a crowd and then to retreat to the White House, um, I, I, I read something that uh, at least one of the participants was extremely disappointed because Trump was not leading them into the assault on the Capitol. And, and it's, it's like, when do you ever have a general then just turn around and refuse to lead soldiers into, 
into war, as it were. I, as uh, clearly they thought this is what's what's happening, and I, I can't wrap my mind around what they were trying to accomplish because if supposedly everyone in this country supports a, a form of democracy, and mob rule is not that. Even if you're actively participating in that, is this how you really want to have government be mob rule? No. How about the military and police involved? There's calls for them to be uh, spotted. Should they continue military service? Um, what about police that were involved? Should they well, continue to be police officers? This is a problem in our country as well, uh, because you just it, all all over the country you have. And it's, it's not a, I don't think it's a dominant uh, uh, part of our police forces, uh, but there are elements in the force that do subscribe to these kinds of policies. And um, I'm glad that a few of them were caught. Um, um, and I know that there will be greater efforts to try to root these folks out um, as they're going through their, you know, the application process, training, um, and even of examination of, of how people are working on the job, because there is no place in this country uh, for uh, for people that really espouse these kinds of views. It's such a negative impact on the street. Well, what did you think about the apparent stand down or lack of security or security failure, whatever you want to call it? Um, I've been to many protests in my right. days. Um, I spent some time at Standing Rock, and uh, we had some peaceful protests met with some serious yes. force. Uh, you saw you saw it with Black Lives Matter over the summer. Uh, what did you think when you saw the lack of security? I, you know, I, I, and and then I read that um, a greater security had actually been requested, uh, but was refused, and it again left my head scratched, scratching. What what's going on here? If there is a credible threat, why is there no response? You know, I think that the answers to that are actually, you know, hopefully will come out in the near future as there's more investigation of this. There's probably ample room to point fingers in a whole lot of places. Okay, lastly, before we move off this topic, sure. there was some uh, Congress people involved. People talked about Capitol tours, yes. some security buttons maybe missing. And then even after the attack, some more fiery speeches um, during the impeachment. Uh, what do you think should uh, happen to senators, Congress people that it turns out um, either participated, um, gave tours? What do you think should happen to these elected officials. I really haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that because I've got no say in it. And um, I have confidence that um, those who do have a say are going to actually take some action because it was outrageous uh, what was going on. I sat and I watched a little bit of the uh, process in the House uh, and the Senate and uh, was just appalled at, at some of the arguments that were being made. And it is um, you know, it basically comes down to um, uh, folks that are just refusing to actually deal with reality. And no matter what you tell them, it's not good enough. We need to do more, you know, more recounts, more, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, at what point um, can we actually move forward? And so it's a lot to deal with, uh, not only in terms of 
potential actions against these individuals, I think it's got to damage their future committee appointments, any kind of involvement that they're going to have if they remain in the Capitol. And I hope that voters will actually send a strong message at the next election because any candidate running against someone who voted to not accept the, that's a, as a candidate, a former candidate, I would love to have that on my literature to be charging my opponent. <laughs> Powerful argument. Definitely. Let's move on a little bit and get into what you were just talking about. Um, do you feel there'll be adequate repercussions? Um, many civilians, as well as we talked about, police officers and other people have been arrested. Right. Um, do you think this is going to be adequate, the arresting of these uh, 100 or something, 200 people, and then these ongoing investigations? Do you have faith in this? Uh, you know, I mean, I hope that it actually does do some good. The fact that they've been arrested, it doesn't say, you know, what kind of charges or whether what kind of punishment is going to be meted out. It really will have a major impact, though, in this country if, uh, you know, they charge all these people, but then they walk. You know, it's like Trump on the way out of office, giving all these pardons to criminals, absolute criminals. No president should have that power. None. Yeah, it's kind of um, the strange power they give somebody there. Yeah, if you've been tried and convicted by a jury of your peers, and then to have some guy that you happen to be friends with or have some connection with, this is un unbelievable. Apparently, you need about uh, two million connections to <laughs> to garner a right, pardon. Yes, in some cases, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's still under investigation. Uh, well, we were just starting to get into this a little bit through our conversation. But what about the results of this siege? What do you see as the repercussion for future protests, direct action protests? Of course, including Black yes. Lives Matter, climate activists, animal rights. You know, animal rights uh, historically have been dealt with right. extremely harsh. And then there's a uh, pipeline protests, other extractive industries that we'll be seeing more large protests in the future. So, um, we're going to see some enhanced security measures around free speech um, online, the Second Amendment, like we were talking about earlier regarding Capitol buildings. And I feel like overall hyper technical security, like facial recognition and GPS, cellular, phone, metadata. You know, what do you see as our future as we move into this new enhanced security realm that we're heading? I into? think in certain parts of the country, it's going to be more of a problem for people to get out and do demonstrations. You know, San Francisco still remains a fairly decent place that, uh, uh, but it is really important no matter what happens with the policing and what kind of crackdown at their peaceful protests, we have to be out on the streets on uh, whatever the issue is, we have to be out on the streets and we cannot remain silent. And I firmly believe the power of nonviolent protest and the, you know, the, the, the image of back in the 60s of all of these people marching and not putting up resistance at all, but so much bloodshed on the part of the police. I think that fundamentally changed the argument of, of you know, trying to address 
the issues that the protesters were were out in the streets about. And and you know we had some movement on racial issues. And you know unfortunately we haven't really progressed. You know and we've gone backwards a little bit. But it it is peaceful protests. And you know it's Martin Luther King. He was he was right. We have to be out doing this. Definitely got to get in that good trouble, right? Yes. Well, let's move on a little bit before we run out of time. There's a new administration in control. I'd just like to get your your outlook as like a Green Party candidate. You said yourself, you know, we're stuck in this two-party system. What are your hopeful uh, thoughts for moving into this next four years? Uh, we already saw the executive orders on the Keystone XL pipeline, the Muslim ban, child separation to be repealed, you know. What are you yeah, I, I just read this morning that uh, the company that is, you know, doing the pipeline, that uh, they've stopped work uh, because they anticipate uh, Biden is going to reverse course. And wow, that's that's fabulous. And so, yeah, as a green and I've seen a lot of, of, of folks commentary about um, I, all the problems with the uh, incoming Biden administration. And there's certainly, uh, based on his uh, history, uh, there is a reason to be concerned. But I'm in the position, I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt initially just to get started. And let's see where he goes. I think so much of the country is just relieved of the change uh, in leadership. I really don't think it's a great time to be out trying to bash Biden, even though there, down the road, absolutely, there will be times to do it. Uh, but it, right now, let people process this change in power and some of the changes rolling back of uh, the, uh, I, I read just uh, a couple of days ago, um, I think it was in the Harper's Index, where the because the Trump administration had uh, uh, weakened environmental laws so much that they estimate that by 2035, 1 billion, 800 million metric tons more of greenhouse gases will be in the air by 2035. And, and this is stuff that's going to get rolled back. And it's like, excellent, excellent. We, and we need to do that. And we need to do more. I, I work a lot with the Sierra Club. And, and you know, this is stopping coal. Stopping oil is, is very, very high on, on the agenda for many groups in this country. So not just Greens. And I'm also, I'm, I'm very hopeful for third party politics. Um, um, it's, uh, yeah, Democrats and Republicans have worked hard to make sure we have no other choice. But there, not only is there a movement to start, you know, to have a, a, a break off from the Republican Party, uh, but I'm hearing now that there's a, a, the group Movement for a People's Party, and they hope to draw off a bunch of Democrats. Well, and, well Greens are not going away. We do have a national party. Um, I'm considering another run um, to be a candidate and uh, um, for the 2022 election. Um, um, I, I do a lot of writing on health care. And uh, um, so I figure in state insurance commissioner might be a very good visible platform to, to be talking about healthcare in this state, particularly since Democrats are not talking about it. It's, 
<laughs> I think it's, it's time to really try to uh, get them to step forward and do something. Uh, what would you, uh, what do you see Trump uh, making the, uh, maybe the Patriot Party? What do you see that doing to, possibly doing to the Republican Party? Do you think that will split it? I mean, it may, it, it may ultimately get incorporated. Um, I've, I've actually heard some Republican commentators in the last week. I mean, they sound like reasonable people. And they're talking about a lot of self evaluation that's going on in the party. And what do we really stand for? And what are we going to be working to, to move forward? And I'm very glad to hear that that's going on. Trumpism does not control the party. A significant portion of it, but it does not control the party. And uh, do you think this will be good for um, third parties overall, Green Party I think included? so. I think so. It's, it's never easy to, the corporate parties, they want to have just that as an, as an option uh, for voters. And, but I think voters are getting a little fed up with that. So I'm, I'm very hopeful going forward. All right. And lastly, I don't want to um, dump on Joe yet either, but what should we be looking out for? Um, you, as you mentioned, Joe has a history. If we follow his track record, should we be watching out for the continuation or even new war? Um, we got Iran, Venezuela, um, terrible foreign policy, such as we talked about earlier about recognizing Juan Guaido as the leader of Venezuela when the people elected Nicolas right. Maduro. Um, we, we got the support for the Saudis and the UAE as they devastate Yemen, and then we got Israel and Palestine. You know, what are you watching out for in the future for Joe Biden? Well, our history has shown that no matter whether it's a Republican or Democrat in office, uh, we continue to funnel just obscene amounts of money into our military, um, um, and our military presence is worldwide. I don't see Biden as a, uh, a man who will uh, begin the conversation about how much do we really need to spend to defend ourselves? And it's, it's uh, amazing to me that, that we really don't have that discussion uh, in this country and helping to balance that off against many of the other needs that are so pressing. Education, healthcare, infrastructure. It's like the military is on both sides of the aisle is the first thing that they vote for. And it's almost unanimous. Um, uh, yes, there's a, there's a minority that's growing uh, to vote against those huge budgets, uh, uh, but it's, it is literally the first thing they do every year is to approve how much we're spending on military. And I, I don't see Biden changing that. It's, it's something that we're going to have to continue to work at to, to get the politicians to pay attention that it is far more effective to spend money to help people around the world, help people have to be able to eat and spending money on military to keep oppressing people. Definitely. And to quote a song I can't remember the name of, but I know the words is uh, war, it's big time business. There's more profit in war than cigarettes That's right. in Christmas. That's right. It's, it's, it's appalling. And uh, everybody in the U.S., largely, I, I, it's very hidden from us, the incredible waste and an agency in the government that has never, ever been audited. Never. 
And as a green, you know, I'm a fiscal conservative. And this is, <laughs> this is, this is just appalling. So. All right. Well, um, I thank you again. That's the voice of Green Party candidate and past candidate and activist and writer for the SF Bayview, uh, Barry Hermanson. Barry, thanks for joining us again tonight on Full Circle. Where can people follow your work? Well, it's the San Francisco Bayview newspaper, their website. I wrote a piece in November entitled uh, Medicaid is Better Than Nothing and an article for December entitled Organizing to Win, about how we actually win uh, universal health care here in California. Um, and if you wanted to, um, I find my articles, I've, I've got a you know, pretty good list of them there. Uh, they've got a little search box and you just type in my name, Barry Hermanson. Mostly it is stuff that I have, have written. And it's mostly about militarism, healthcare, housing, uh, homelessness, a couple of the major issues of the day. <laughs> So, uh, all right. Um, well, we'll have a link on our website as well. That's kpfaapprentice.org. Thanks again for joining us tonight, Barry. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. All right, everyone, you are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and online worldwide all the time at KPFA. .org. Tell your friends and be sure to follow Barry Hermanson on SF Bayview website. Of course, like always, we'll post a link on our website after the show, kpfaapprentice.org. And now to close out the show tonight, we have friend to the show, poet Raymond Nat Turner, a.k.a. the town crier. We talked about poetry and the beautiful poem yesterday and what it means to put out our people of color to read and perform these beautiful poems in honor of what? Empire. Check it out. All right, Free Will and Franklin here, and I'm now being joined by a great friend at KPFA, Raymond Nat Turner, the town crier, and he is the poet-in-residence at the Black Agenda Report, also the founder and co-leader of Upsurge, the Jazz Poetry Ensemble of New York, which just celebrated 30 years, by the way. Congratulations, uh, Raymond. Thank you. And uh, welcome back to KBFA and back to uh, Full Circle. And I wanted to just get your thoughts on what you thought of the young woman, Amanda Gorman, and her poem, The Hill We Climb, that she gave at inauguration. What did you think about that when you heard it? Oh, I had... Mixed feelings, but firstly, I liked it to see a dark-skinned, beautiful young woman from my hometown, L.A., doing something. And, um, you know, she's 22, and she's going to grow. And so, yeah, my first response is that I liked it. That's the first thing. I liked her artistry in terms of her delivery, in terms of her, if you want to say performance of it, certainly her reading of it. I enjoy that. There's two basic elements of art. There's the form and there's the content. And so as far as the form goes, 
That is what I enjoy, the musicality of her delivery. Um, but content-wise, that day has um, brought many, not many poets, but several poets in my, my lifetime. Um, certainly one can remember Maya Angelou's poem uh, celebrating Bill Clinton and, and then um, Elizabeth Alexander's poem celebrating my Latino brothers and sisters call him the deporter in chief. And I take exception with that. I call him the drone ranger. Uh, Alexander's poem was celebrating him. And at best, these poems on this occasion are aspirational. And at worst, they conceal, you know, imperialist content, uh, uh, a murder machine, a military industrial complex, uh, a nation state that was founded on the genocide and exclusion of the Native American people, the indigenous people who were its original inhabitants and then the enslavement of African people. And so that, that's the content problem I have with poems uh, for those occasions, the inauguration of the, um, the head of, you know, the uh, imperialist state called the U.S. of A. Well, and you're getting into a point which I want to ask you about is the importance of poetry and the content. Tell us about why poetry is so important at these times particularly and the content. I think um, it, all the arts during this period are, they're, they're always important, but particularly during a period like we're entering in with the pandemic uh, claiming over 400,000 lives and pretty soon it'll be a, a half a million lives. And then people being forced to shelter in place and also witness many of our uh, fellow citizens who are unhoused, it can really pull on the spirit in a downward direction. And so the arts are very important for lifting the spirit and really capturing people's hearts, hearts and minds, I might add. And so they're super important for that reason to give us that upliftment and keep you know and, and enable us to continue the struggle as they say a luta continua enable us to keep fighting and um and and to recharge recharge our batteries all right raymond and in that tone you are a poet as we have mentioned and you have a poem for us tell us about this poem and then let it rip it's called Mashing the State Crystal Knock Style. Crystal Knock came casting lead ballots, overthrowing Black elected officials and massacring those that voted for them, Wilmington, North Carolina, 1898. Crystal Knock came shooting, looting, and burning, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921. Rosewood, Florida, 
1923, Muslim Moss, number 27, L.A., 1962, came with scorched earth for school children's food from the Black Panther Free Breakfast Program for Fred Hampton's home. Crystal Knock came this time by bus and train, by plane, by car, storming Capitalist Hill with guns, knives, tasers, mace, bear spray, retractable batons, brass knuckles, and badges. It came fighting slow pitch Mitch, two buck Chuck, Chancy Nancy over mile long food lines. Hmm. Did it come fighting over bellies beginning to bloat and sound like zoos, over tiny voices whining, Daddy, I'm hungry. Crystal knock came as a thousand Sheriff Joes. Jim Clark's Bull Connors bent badges, macabre tattoos celebrating extrajudicial executions, a thousand roid raging wild boars snorting thin blue lines of Third Reich ideology. Crystal Knot came disguised as Mr. Magoo, mistaking flagpoles and fire extinguishers for batons tables for battering rams, like cell phones morphing into guns and black hands and backs into bullseyes. Crystal Knock came with Confederate battle flags, came greeting blue uniform Capitol cops as officer nigger, tailgating lynch mob, Georgia on its mind dead set on disenfranchising, Detroit's 13th, New York's 14th, Minneapolis's 5th, Boston's 7th, St. Louis's 1st, LA's 37th, 43rd, Oakland's 13th, and declaring that bourgeois democracy's officially over. Crystal Knot came flying Delta and American Airlines over stagecoach and bookboard, came plotting with Congress members by internet rather than telegraph. Crystal Knot came vaccinated against the 21st century and engaged in hand-to-hand combat with second-minute hour hands to overthrow motion change and development resembling streets of rainbow rebellion across the country, round the world. Crystal not came. The Lobar left town and Grecian formula 9-11 failed in Philly. Crystal not came in trial by combat Count Guliani living on 9-11 blood. The count cut his fangs on drunken NYPD officers rioting and urinating on Dinkin's leadership. The count knew reduction in force, horses, cordon off perimeters, protest pens, Elrad, Ketling. Crystal Knot came whistling Dixie, supporting the troops, came questioning the war on terror, refuting defund the police. 
For who else can shatter glass, skulls, and delusions like that? Who? Oh, and again, that's the voice of Raymond Nat Turner, the town crier, the poet in residence at the Black Agenda Report, and the founder and co-leader of Upsurge Jazz Poetry Ensemble. Wanted to give us a couple words about that poem before we let you go tonight, oh, Raymond? Okay. Yeah, that poem was um, based on uh, or was influenced or inspired by the events at the, I call it Capitalist Hill, uh, the legislative branch of the government where some police thugs and military thugs tried to stage a putsch or a coup or whatever they had in mind. And so, yeah, I was really inspired by that. And uh, of course, as we know, Kristallock refers to the Night of Broken Glass in Nazi Germany, where uh, Jewish businesses, establishments were attacked and, you know, the windows broken and attacks launched on Jews in Germany. Well, um, we're about out of time, Raymond, but I appreciate you taking the time for me tonight and for all of us and uh, blessing us with your poem. Thanks for coming on for us tonight. All right, take good care, Free Will and Franklin, and keep up the great work you're doing. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, important links, and information related to tonight's show. Shout out to our special guest tonight, Raymond Nat Turner and Barry Hermanson. A quick action alert from our friends at the Yemeni Alliance Committee. Monday, January 25th, the world says no to war on Yemen. A global online rally. You can rally online or in the streets. Check it out on Yemeni Alliance Committee Facebook. And of course, our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, executive producer, Miss M., Joy Moore, our production consultant, and myself, of course, Freewell and Franklin. I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle, and I have also been your host tonight. And you know what? I'm a graduate of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Thanks for listening tonight, everyone. And remember, please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned, because coming up next is La Onda Bajita on KPFA. Good night, everyone.